Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome. I'm Ellen Trackman here with Jennifer White. Hey, Jen. Yay! Hey, I'm here. Hey, Jen. Have you been to any fancy parties recently? Uh, ironically, I probably have been. I've been to a couple oh, like wow. military things. I know, like the, the that wasn't the answer we prepared asking. for. I know, I know. <laughs> the answer was no. And I went, and I went to Fine, a wedding yes. last week. Okay, so yes, okay. I, I have been recently, but. I but, think what you were actually asking is, yes. am I going to any coming up very soon? Yes, that's a real question to ask. Are you coming, going to any fancy party soon? Tell me yes. what kind of fancy party you're going to soon. So this all relates to our upcoming guest, nice. but I am going to the surrogacy soiree in Atlanta, Ooh. which is to raise money for the Gift of Surrogacy Foundation. Wow. And why this is really exciting for us as a podcast besides just in hearing their story and all that excitement is that we are going to live stream from the event wow that's new that's fancy right as of this recording we don't have every single detail exactly <laughs> pinned down but we didn't want to not get information out to people um, nice. but the plan is to live stream and hopefully we'll have both Ellen and I on there, even though Ellen can't go, but she can live stream with us. What, what are um, you wearing? Are you wearing something really fancy? Um, well, as of this recording, it's really far away and I haven't decided what I'm wearing. I know, yet, but so. the real question, can I wear pajamas since I'll be live streaming Ooh. but not there? Is that? Yeah. No? I think actually that would be even funnier is mm. that you should wear pajamas and I will wear Or maybe wear like my the classic clothes. like pajama bottoms, but like a fancy top, right? To I do. I do have a picture of my husband doing something for his cadets during the um, uh, pandemic of him wearing mm. his tuxedo and no shoes. Just a top. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. oh. Well, I want to hear about this party and what it's for. Can yes, let's get to let's our guest to tell us. Welcome, Zach French, the podcast. Zach, um, a podcast veteran, as you mentioned, a total pro. Uh, welcome to the he has, podcast. He has, his, he has his own podcast. So, I mean, like more than a pro. <laughs> uh, right. Do you want to just start by plugging your own podcast? I, I, I can start by saying this is the best podcast name for what nice. I've ever taken part in. Love it. <laughs> um, no, I so, think we're just going to stop with this is the best podcast. And then you're like, I know. Name. I held my breath there for a second. <laughs> That's like when I keep like hoping to win Starbucks for life. And I'm like, I won Starbucks for life. Socks. <laughs> But yeah, no, like you alluded to, I've I've had quite a few, uh, quite a bit of experience. I had my own podcast for about fifty three episodes. Uh, just nice. concluded that when I started with Seed Trust uh, about five months ago, um, and then now we have started a podcast at Seed Trust that I co-host with Abby Helmuth called The Trusted Way. Ooh, uh, nice! Yeah, so there might be some reciprocal interviews in our future, maybe. Ooh, all right, yeah. all right. Check out all the right. Trusted Way. Do you exactly. want to do you plug any more? Like, what do people get to hear in the trusted way? We we talk to everybody. Currently, we but we've only had two episodes. We started it in October. Um, we our initial episode was with a person that some of you may have heard of, Adam Winder, CEO at C Trust, <laughs> right? Um, but listen, I I'm, I in many ways there is overlap, which is that we are looking for thought leaders throughout the industry. However, you've uh, you know participated in the industry from know, attorneys to agency owners to insurance to IPs to GCs over the course so that people can get a glimpse into the reality that is surrogacy and egg donation, uh, understand it from from all different facets um, and a multidisciplinary approach. So exactly. Um, yeah. So you actually alluded to, I mean, you, you said, you know, like the talk about people being from all over and not being alone. And I mean, that you are with C-Trust now. Um, tell, let's backtrack a little bit and talk about your, your story um, and kind of what brought you, I guess, so we have a couple of facets here. What brought you to C-Trust and also kind of talk about your fertility journey. So where, where do we, where do we begin? <laughs> I, I would say they're all related. So we can start Excellent. at the beginning of that. So in 2019, uh, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and um, before we started our journey to uh, for treatment, the surgical oncologist suggested that we freeze embryos. 
Um, Good. Big shout out uh, to him for making that happen. I understand that well, is not. Can a we regular... go back even further? I want like more of a love story. How did you, know... you guys meet? <laughs> Had you together for a while? Yeah, no, sure. Um, so my wife Alexandra and I met in 2010. Um, we were married in 2013. Uh, and oh, stop. Wait, stop. Like online? Was there like a. Oh, wow. We're getting juicy <laughs> details. I love this. Uh, in 2010, I was in law school with her cousin from South Africa. Oh. Um, and he okay. came up to me in one class. He's like, hey, bro, you need to meet my cousin. And that's my best South African accent. And I'm like, yeah, sure, man. I'll, I'll meet her. Um, she's like, you'll, you'll love her, man. Um, and so I actually went and met her. Uh, and the very first night we hung out, uh, we ended up hitting it off. Um, and then uh, we had an interesting next experience, which is that she went back to Israel to teach uh, special education um, for six months. And I guess the kind of distance made the heart grow fonder. We talked almost every single day. Um, we were on Skype, if people remember that. Uh, yes. now, now that word, I don't, I don't even know if it's still around. Um, but we were talking on Skype every single day. And then when she came back, um, you, know, I, you know, I made it very clear I was in law school and that you know, studies would, would come first, but I would like to date her. Uh, and so we started dating for a while. She had this big Jewish South African family and I fell in love with the family. We'd go to Shabbat dinners every Friday night. Um, they just had this kind of tribal way about them that was really admirable. And I'd grown up with a bit smaller family. We were, we, you know, we hung out sometimes, but not, not at this level. Um, and it, it actually led to me rediscovering my Judaism because I was never a oh. big religious guy. I didn't like, you know, I tried to read into the God stuff, but it just didn't connect with me. But when I figured that I could express my Judaism through community and through social events and stuff like that, um, it really hit hard. Um, and so I started to, to, you know, be more involved and over then the, did you propose to her whole family or to her by yourself? Uh, that is actually a really good question. Um, <laughs> so, um, one of the scariest moments of my life, and I think a lot of uh, potential husbands and now husbands can share this, was going to her father and asking for her hand in marriage. She's this big, you know, tough South African guy. And so I did that. And the actual proposal idea was uh, a bit more fun. So her parents were actually moving to Israel uh, to make Aliyah, uh, and they were having their final hoorah goodbye shabbat and we're talking 75 people in a house oh, wow. and the plan was that her dad would give a little bit of a speech and then i would come up and so i came up then and i was like hey listen we're really gonna miss you johnny and lana um the next thing i'd like to ask you before you leave is that i've always felt like a part of your family but now i want to make it official and so I turned around, got down on one knee in front of all these people and her entire family, <laughs> which is wow. funny, um, and, and proposed. And it was the, the, the funny part is that Alex had obviously had no idea. And so she actually tried to grab me and keep me from going up and interrupting her dad. Oh. <laughs> I turned around to her. I go, no, you're going to want to hear this. <laughs> awesome. Oh, my goodness. I love it. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a pretty magical experience. It was nice to do it in front of everybody. All, all my family was there as well. Um, and we were hitched for, uh, or at least engaged for about um, a year or so. And then um, we started, we were planning our wedding during that time. We got married in May 2020 or May 2013. Um, a, a beautiful, beautiful venue here in Atlanta. We had about 300 guests there, big wedding. Um, and Ever since then, it's just been a, a bond that I'm lucky to have. She is my rock. We are a yin and yang. She excels where I do not. I excel where she does not. Um, I always say, summarize our relationship as she's the, can I cuss? Am I allowed to do that? Yeah. yeah. She's, sure. the get, yeah. she's the get shit done type of person, and I'm the thinker. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> um, and uh, it, yeah, it's blossomed into a beautiful relationship. We lived together um, for about three, four years at one property. And then we bought our, our house together um, about a, a year after that. And we had our first child the natural way, uh, Tanner, okay. uh, in 2017. Um, 
And we were just kind of going about our life, growing our careers and everything like that. And then we were rocked with the breast cancer news in 2019. Oh, okay. um, it was, you know, literally laying in bed and Alex turned over to me. She goes, do you feel that? Oh. Um, and it was about a golf ball size lump. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, her, her specific type of cancer at that time was HER2 positive and it's an exceptionally fast growing cancer. But... Mm -hmm lucky for us, also very treatable um, with multiple multiple different drugs, but mainly, uh, I think the, the main one was Hercept Herceptin or something like that, um, that like targets those specific cancer cells. Um, so, you know, we, we reached out to our network, uh, the family banded together, formed almost like a board. Uh, everybody actually contributed a little bit of money into a fund that paid for oh, wow. food to be prepared for us. It paid for people to clean our house so that all we could focus on is her recovery. Wow. Um, That's so nice. The, the interesting wrinkle was that the day when she found out I was in the middle of studying for the New York bar exam. Oh. And she turned over, she looked at me and she goes, Zach, I know you're going to be here for me, but I need you to go pass that bar exam first. So you're not coming to a single appointment until you do. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, fair enough. And, you know, our mothers collectively helped Alex through her appointments until I went and took the New York bar at the end of July in 2019. And then I was able to, to play caretaker. It's, it's really somewhere that I feel at home. Um, I really enjoy it. Um, and I hate the situation like called for it, but I was, I was really in, in my element, making sure that she was taken care of and look, she, she crushed it. She went through treatment. Um, she was, you know, a rock star. I think it was the best year of her career she ever had. Uh, oh, wow. It, what? Yeah. yeah. Right. Like what? Wow. Don't expect that to happen. She didn't tell anybody but her friends and family. So everybody just kind of, one of our friends joked, they're like, I just thought you turned into a religious Jew and put on, <laughs> put on a wig. Oh, wow. uh, and, no, and then after we got done, we were like, no, no, this is, this was cancer. And, and eventually shared it publicly uh, on Instagram once she was able to ring the bell after chemo was done. Wow. And you were raising a two or three year old at that time too, right? We were, we were, uh, I guess at that point, Tanner was two years old. Yeah. Um, which was interesting, but also, I mean, in a good way that he was younger, right? He's not necessarily going to remember mommy in bed all the time. He now knows that she was sick, um, obviously, but uh, just seemed like uh, if there was a good time to, to get it, it's when your kids are a bit younger, won't necessarily have to see the suffering, right? Uh, or remember the suffering. Yeah, that's a good, good positive way to view it. Yeah, and, and it's funny. You get these these lemons, right? Uh, depends on what you do with them. And so we, we were fortunate. We are, One of our neighbors was a, uh, a pharmacist working with one of the top medical oncologists in Atlanta. Uh, was not open to seeing other patients, but because we knew her, we were actually able to get in with this doctor. Oh, wow. Uh, just a rising star over at Emory here in Atlanta, and she's been great from the first day we met her through, through now, right? Um, when we have friends, unfortunately, that are going through the same thing, she, she sees them. Um, and so we set up a plan. She had, you know, a couple months of chemo, um, a double mastectomy, and then um, 30 plus rounds of, of radiation, and then a deep flap afterwards. Um, so we wow. went through that process together. Um, and, you know, we had, like I alluded to earlier, we had frozen embryos at the time. And when she went in for the double mastectomy, um, they knew it had spread to her lymph nodes and they were kind of, you know, scraped the lymph nodes that, that were, that had the cancer. Um, and, the, and another curveball came, which is that they found a second type of cancer. Oh. Um, and oh. that cancer was hormone positive, which changed our, maybe you can yeah. have your own kids at some point to no way, no how are you able to have your own children uh, or right. carry your own children again. So that's when we heard about surrogacy. Okay. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you want to want to pause there. Is there any questions about that? <laughs> it, well, the, when you mentioned having embryos, sorry, when you did you have embryos because when she was diagnosed, she went through a retrieval at that point, or you had gone through IVF before? No, no. So the only exposure we had had to the fertility industry before was that we did the Jewish gene screen and found out she was a carrier for fragile X. Um, and so we had met with, um, 
met with, uh, I think an, an, another clinic at that point. Um, but beyond that, um, we were just checking her levels and they were okay over time. Um, cause early onset menopause is kind of a, a natural, uh, extension of, of having that gene. Um, and, but no, once it was, once she was diagnosed, um, that her doctor said, okay, we're going to start treatment, but before we start treatment, we need to do a retrieval and, you know, from, from you. And then, uh, you know, obviously from me as well. And then we had embryos created, we had them genetically tested. Um, and we were lucky. Shout out to your, the oncologist, because a lot of that, we talked to a lot of people that were like, I was never told that, you know, as I started treatment. You know, it's funny. We, uh, we did resolve advocacy day last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I mean, both, both from a cancer perspective or other life-threatening illnesses, um, that is not, that's not commonplace. I don't want to say it's yeah. a majority or not a majority cause I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it's definitely not, not everyone is, is told that. Yeah. Um, well, and the other big concern is some people are told that their insurance doesn't cover it. So they're like, Hey, you need to do this immediately. Also it's $15,000 out of pocket or some, you know, huge amount. Exactly. Which was, which was the other part of Resolve Advocacy Day is trying to figure out like, you know, nonprofits can help fund this, but how is the government going to actually either mandate or start helping people through this? Because it is a disease, right? right. Um, nobody chooses to be infertile. Um, right. And are you comfortable sharing? Like, did, was your insurance helpful or were you just stuck paying out of pocket? Oh, we paid out of pocket. Yeah. 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 Uh, and no. at that point, did you know, like, we definitely want more kids or you're just like, let's just do this in case we want that? Oh, we definitely knew. We wanted at least two kids and I'm currently trying to convince her to have three. <laughs> <laughs> so. um, okay. So we have to get to number two, right? Is that we, we're going to segue onward. So obviously you now knew you needed to use a surrogate, but what did you know about the world of surrogacy at that point? Did you know anything? Uh, baby mama, the movie. Good <laughs> one. <laughs> kudos okay (laughs) kudos to tina fey (laughs) right Um, okay so what were your expectations then (laughs) uh i i hadn't we almost had no expectations all we knew is that we had a friend uh who had gone through it because uh she had gone through a very very tough childbirth with her first kid and uh, they had to remove her uterus as a result uh, and so they, they had gone through surrogacy. And so Alex actually just went and met with them and they're like, what, they're like, what is surrogacy? Right. Yeah. Um, you search on the internet and I think at that point, and, and, you know, maybe you could argue still today, it's really hard to find clear information. Yep. Um, there's a big information gap there. And so we went and they, they had used an agency here in Atlanta, Southern Surrogacy, um, and they had glowing shout recommend- out to Southern Surrogacy. I would say shout out to Lila. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they're they're great. Lynn, Lynn Goldman walked us through the entire process, uh, and has an ongoing uh, relationship with us that I'll, I'm happy to get to a little bit later. Um, but we went there, and you know, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I didn't know how much it cost um, or anything like that. Um, that was not a conversation that we necessarily have with people, just like who we were supposed to meet and what what it looked like. And then you get into the room. And she goes to the whiteboard and, all right, here are the three main buckets for surrogacy, you know, um, breaks down the medical, the surrogate costs, uh, the agency and, uh, and legal costs. Cause you know, at, at Southern surrogacy, obviously Lynn's an attorney, so they, they handle both together. Um, not obviously I would say uh, a lot of agencies do it separately, but okay. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. I guess <laughs> yeah. the, the fact that Lynn is an attorney, I was saying yeah. obviously. Um, but yeah, yeah, if you did not know Lynn is an attorney, then you would yes, not. That's true. But it, Lila. it's a good, it's and a Lila, good, yeah. it, it's a good segue though, actually, Jen, like I, after we had that experience, uh, and we went to, uh, our first surrogacy conference, I thought that was the normal. <laughs> I thought mm-hmm. all agencies had attorneys and it's not, uh, no. I would say it's very, no. And in fact, minority. I mean, like, that's one of the things we were really careful about. Like when we set up our agency is that like, no one is required to use Ellen at all because we didn't want people to feel like that they had to use the attorney that was affiliated with the agency. Exactly. Those conflicts of interest are, are pretty important, especially, exactly. especially on the legal side. Um, and so we went and met with them. We, we, we got the sticker shock of, Hey, this is $120,000 at the time. Um, yeah. 
and uh, but uh, A, B, C, D, and E can 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 actually lead it to increase by up to fifty thousand dollars more or something. Yep. Uh, and we were just like, Whoa. do you want to share what those like A, B, C, D just for people who are like, oh, like yeah. lost wages? Yeah, yeah. So the variable costs, I always break them down into the basics and, and variable costs. Um, so variable costs are if you have to go on uh, bed rest, you got to pay lost wages for the time that they're on bed rest. Um, you know, I think it's uh, pretty well quoted from people I've talked to that it's about 50 50 whether the surrogate's insurance policy will exclude surrogacy. Yep, that's about um, what it's at right now. Yep. And then uh so if it excludes surrogacy, then you're talking to Lloyd's or and you're and you're paying twenty, thirty thousand dollars additional, right? Or uh, or you're getting a policy through the open enrollment exchange and then you're paying the premiums. Yeah. yeah. And then you're paying the premiums and, and actually uh yeah. So um so you've got you've got those kind of costs. Um, you know, there's 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 other things that can come up through the course of the journey that just kind of stack up uh in that sense. Um, that you don't, you can't anticipate with any level of certainty, right? Yep. Um, and so, you know, we were fortunate. We went through our journey, and we did not. There was one small snafu. Our surrogate changed, um, or changed jobs, uh, and the new insurance policy mid-journey was not clear on whether surrogacy was excluded. Um, and so we actually purchased a supplemental policy, but it was only for about two or three months. So it wasn't necessarily like the full shebang when it came to, right. to cost. But I, I feel like you glossed over. You're like, we went through the journey. Like, wait, wait a second. <laughs> go back, go back. <laughs> oh, happy. Um, so um, we went and met with, with them. Uh, we, we had discussions with the family um, and came up with a, a way that we could afford it. Um, and then honestly for, uh, then, then we started the mid COVID, this is 2020, uh, zoom introduction to our surrogate. Um, she was just one state over in Alabama, um, from, from me, which based in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and it's, it's weird. I mean, I guess is the best way I could characterize how I felt is just like, you know, I went into the whole process as like a, uh, is this an oven for my bun or is this a lifelong relationship? Um, and once I met her and talked to her and her husband and, and we got to meet the family eventually in person, uh, a few weeks down the line, I, I, there was just an instant connection. I have to say, um, it was, it's, I'm, just the, the sacrifices that, that a surrogate makes in order to help someone else, I just can't be understated. Um, and we really felt that with this family. Um, so we did. Had we, she done it before or was this her first time? So she, we were her first. Um, she was actually looking around to see if she could donate breast milk uh, and or her eggs uh, and found out that she could be a surrogate. And she's like, well, what bigger impact can I have uh, than actually carrying a baby for somebody else and kind of landed on it then. Um, so it was, it was, uh, it was a, a really interesting experience. And then you start to go through the psychological, uh, clearance part of the, uh, the journey. So, um, we, we had decided that we both agreed that this was a good match. Um, we then had to go and meet with a psychologist separately and then together and make sure that we understood the types of terms that were going to have to be written into a contract uh, as part of this journey, uh, which are not the type of terms as a uh, as an attorney <laughs> or just someone with general knowledge of contracts that you would typically discuss. Right. Um, we're talking terms of, do you understand that someone's going to have to have, make the decision uh, based on these three levels of severity about what the course of action is um, with the baby's life, with the mother's life and, and all this kind of stuff that has to be memorialized in a GSA. And it was, it was hard. It was hard to just discuss it. Like you just, you didn't want to be overbearing, at least Ale that was mine and, and Alexandra's mindset, but you also wanted to make sure that you prioritize the, the life that was being created. Um, and so I think, you know, you can't, can't say enough how important those initial meetings are before you even go and finalize a contract that you understand what you're about to embark in, um, in terms of, in terms of the different terms and the, and what, what goes on during the journey. Yeah, absolutely. 
So when you so you get to you got through all the fun bits, you got through the legal and the psychological. Mm-hmm. Um, did your first transfer work? Our, you, our, our first transfer took yes. Uh, yeah. Excellent. We were we were. Uh, I was told at the time that it was an eighty percent success rate, but I now understand it's closer to fifty. Right? Is that? It's, yeah, I think the the published success rates don't take into account. They take into account all IVF success rates, uh-huh. and they don't parse out surrogacy specifically. Okay. Um, and so there's some debate over what those numbers really look like. I mean, I can tell you, like from, I mean, my very small small agency anecdotal is is closer to eighty percent. Yeah. Okay. So it is maybe. Yeah. That's why they advise that. I. I just know that it's uh, having having just been a student of the industry now for a bit that it's it's not necessarily consistent. Uh, it's because clinics. of the way numbers are reported, and that there isn't a special mechanism for reporting surrogacy transfers for IVF. So you know, there's there's one thing to take note of. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's let's figure out how to make that make that a thing. Uh, oh, and I always advise people like when you're looking at like start rates like that, like you you can't necessarily compare apples to apples on clinics too, because some clinics specialize in surrogacy. Right. Exactly. I mean, we so the, I, I I talked about this earlier when we originally met due to to being a carrier for Fragile X, we met with one clinic, but then we changed clinics because. Like not not because that other clinic was a problem, but because the clinic that we went to like specialized in breast cancer patients and like handled a lot uh, of breast cancer patients. Um, and so, um, for what it's worth, um, we thought that was a really good idea to, to go to this other clinic. Absolutely, that makes sense. Um, so happy news, right? Happy news. You, you it was, have your second. Um, so we, yes, we were pregnant with at the time, um, and we went through the journey. Uh, we were, you know, we're, we're a little bit more hands-off. I understand that some intended parents are a bit more, more hands-on. Um, obviously we were still wanted to be FaceTimed in for appointments and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we, we kind of let, uh, our surrogate kind of choose, uh, uh, in, in a way how, how involved we'd be and just kind of came to an agreement on that. And I think that is like, cannot be stressed enough that you have to realize the, the impact and the, and the generosity that this person is doing and you need to respect, um, you know, and come up with a mutual, uh, plan as to how often you're in contact with the surrogate and how often you're going to see each other for, for some people you're across the world. Um, for us, we were lucky. We're only, you know, two hours away. Um, so I think Alex went over for a few of the appointments, um, uh, pre-birth. Um, but for the most part, we were, we're FaceTiming in, um, we spent, you know, we would meet halfway, uh, in Alabama towards Georgia just to say hi to, to her and her husband and the family. And, um, we had a good relationship throughout. And then we get to, I guess, taking us to August, um, 2022 or yeah, 2020, 2021. Um, and you know, comes time to, to give birth to, to Addison. Um, and we're in the hospital in Birmingham. Um, I have to say this, this experience of being in a hospital room, but not being pregnant or, you know, the patient or or the patient (laughs) or anything was interesting. It was also 2021. So it was like middle of COVID and it was like a, a ghost land. Uh, in the hospital, it just was not a full hospital. Uh, it was not uh, that, at least in the the you know uh, pre- the the, the um, maternity wing, um, what have you, um, was just not full. So we had like our room, and it was like a suite. <laughs> I joined, I joined nice. with, with the surrogate, and like I would always have to like you know have Alex go in first to their room, make sure that the surrogate was comfortable with me coming in. Obviously, there's lots of poking and prodding and testing and stuff going on. Uh, while we were waiting. Um, and then the next day, I actually went out to grab everybody lunch and I was called. Uh, the um, Addison had decided that she was going to Superman her way out uh, <laughs> and, st- <laughs> and stuck her arm out, uh, oh. which, which meant that not all the way out, but up. Right. Uh, and so we actually had to do an emergency C-section. 
okay. A, another one of those variable costs uh, that you can tack yeah. on there, uh, as that is obviously a lot of additional stress on the body, uh, and typically accompanied with additional uh, payment. Um, and you know, obviously, they're in the hospital for five days. And I was gonna say, I mean, I always love when parents say, like, "Well, we just we don't plan on it," or the carrier will say, "Well, I don't plan on it." I'm like, "Yeah." nobody plans i mean i mean well some people plan on it. some people plan if you've done it before people. then you got to do it again but like nobody, generally nobody yeah it, yeah yeah but nobody goes into it being like yes this is exactly what i want or again very few people do so right. and, and 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 that is a good that's a discussion you really need to have that you would have at that you know very yeah. initial early stages is like some parents are like well i want to do it because i want to know when it is and i get where they're coming from maybe they're coming from international and they want to know a date but you got to think about what the impact is on the surrogate when you make those decisions. And obviously they right. need to agree to it. Um, and so it's just, you know, it's a very, and, and then sometimes you just can't plan it. Right. And, and that's exactly. luckily we were in the hospital and, and it happened. I have to say like after watching a, a natural childbirth with, with, with Alexandra for, for our first Tanner, um, <laughs> this was like, boom, done. <laughs> the c-section yes. goes really quick uh we were yes, like in there and then there's baby um and so we were we got to, to hold addison we, we were able to spend some time with them obviously afterwards and we're in the in the hospital for a few days and eventually able to to go back home um awesome. but it was, you know, not without uh, different snafus with trying to get birth certificates across state lines. Oh, I'm sure. Oh. Yeah. Um, I think Alex spent cumulatively like eight to 10 hours on the phone with the state of Alabama trying to figure out how we could get the birth certificate. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, it took, it took a few tries um, for sure, but eventually it happened. And obviously, uh, well, not obviously, but Lynn and her team was help super helpful. Uh, throughout that whole process and trying to navigate it, um, even oh. though it was post-birth. Um, so big shout out to them for for the help and hand-holding that they did with us throughout the entire journey. But yeah. we brought brought our baby girl Addison home and um, she just turned two in, the, in August. I'm super oh, lucky yeah. to have her. So, I mean, obviously it's had a huge impact in your life and I, you know, I, I know from talking to you that you, know, you, you did not intuitively start in the surrogacy world. Um, how did this impact your, your career for one and two, I, I mean, I don't even know how to lead into this without just giving it away. I mean, what other conversations did you guys have, especially about how this impacted you and how you want to impact others in the world? Yeah, it was, it was throughout her journey. Um, we just kept saying to ourselves how lucky we were that we had the family, we had this, the friends that supported us, um, and we wanted to find a way to give back. Um, not just the surrogacy journey, the breast cancer journey as well. Yeah. Um, and Alec, Alexander and I both uh, come from, from Jewish families, and, and uh, in Judaism, there's this concept of tzedakah, um, which is basically to give back. Uh, so we both grew up participating in helping people run nonprofits uh, on the side. And so when we got through, when we were getting towards the end of, of this long journey, we were like, how are we going to give back? Um, yeah. and, we, and we researched breast cancer quite a bit, but and, and fortunately, there's a lot of support for breast cancer. There are a lot of nonprofits serving the different facets of, of going through breast cancer through mentorship and, and other ways. Uh, and obviously financial, a lot of financial help. Um, and so we, we figured, you know, while we could make an impact, we wanted to make a bigger impact. And so we started to research surrogacy based on the feelings that we had when we were going through our, early in our journey and the surprise and the costs and just wondering how, you know, people that don't have that level of financial stability or knowledge or friends uh, would go through that journey. Um, and we researched looking for nonprofits that covered, uh, surrogacy and found very few. Yeah. Um, there was, there was, a, there was obviously men having babies. Uh, but then there was, you know, a few others that would offer, you know, 10 to $15,000 towards surrogacy, which is, you know, I'm glad they're doing it, but it's also not necessarily going to get people over the line or most people over the line as to being able to afford surrogacy. So we just, we said, Hey, look, let's, let's be the first organization that offers a grant for the full cost of surrogacy to anybody who has a medical reason. Um, 
for, for, for needing surrogacy. And in May of 2022, uh, we received our 501c3 uh, nonprofit status uh, and started Gift of Surrogacy Foundation um, with that singular idea. We want to fund one full surrogacy. Uh, eventually, we want to expand into education and support. But let's just focus on raising $100,000. And hopefully, with you know, partnerships, we can make that count for all the basic costs uh, of surrogacy. Um, and so then, you know, the next steps were like, okay, how do we, how do we raise this money? <laughs> right. And so, um, we, the first thing we did, was like, all right, well, we're going to need some help from people, uh, regardless of how we do it. Uh, and what do you do? At least I, I feel like it, my most common experience is you reach out to your friends and family, uh, the people who are also impacted, um, by the cause that you're trying to raise for. Um, and we were lucky enough to have both of our mothers, uh, uh some cousins, uh, and some other folks that were like, all right, we're going to help you, but, but how are we going to do it? Right. <laughs> and, uh, Alex and I, we, we got to talking and we were like, you know, fundraisers are pretty, pretty common way to, to raise money. Um, we actually used to throw pretty killer parties before we had kids uh, at our house. <laughs> um, and we would love to just entertain a large group of people, give them a good time. And if they resonate with our cause, then they'll donate, right? Um, either through the sound auction, direct donations, or live auction. And we started doing some research on different nonprofits. And uh, we came up with this idea that charity galas are super stuffy. Uh, that there's always a table and you're trying to see who's at the front table and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so we didn't want to create that environment. We wanted to create a really fun environment. So our internal tagline was, let's have the anti-gala gala. <laughs> <laughs> let's have a band and a DJ and let's make sure the bar is fully stocked and no one has to wait in line and they're going to have a good time. And if they do, they're going to donate. And so the surrogacy soiree was the idea of the surrogacy soiree was born. And we're like, all right, it's May. We can get this done by September. <laughs> and, our, and? <laughs> and our board of advisors was like, uh, no, uh, we cannot plan an event that quick and get 300 people to show up, which was basically the numbers we had run uh, for ticket sales to cover the event. Uh, why don't we try for December? And then December quickly became February of 2022 or 2023. Um, and so we, we took the proper steps, if you will, <laughs> sure. to plan an event for 300 plus people. Um, but at the same time, the only experience that we had, uh, in the industry was our own, which is, you know, great, but not necessarily the the level of knowledge that we should have to be advocates in the industry. Um, and we were super fortunate to be connected with Shadina Blunt here in Atlanta, who had just started Surrogacy Miracles Foundation, uh, and she got Alex invited to speak on a panel at Seeds um, in November in Nashville uh, last year. Um, and so I was introduced to the Society for Ethics in Egg Donation and Surrogacy. Uh, as you are both well aware, we just spent some mm -hmm. time together at the last conference. Uh, and I, my, my, you know the emoji with the, with the, the brain blowing up out of the head? Uh, <laughs> that's about how I felt. I was like, oh, my gosh, like I literally went in with, with blinders. I thought every agency had an attorney on staff. I thought, you know, like I, just our own experience was not necessarily representative. And we did not realize that all of these wonderful people have been fighting this battle in multiple different professional ways uh, for 20, 30 years, right? Or more. Um, and so I being, being the, the podcaster slash uh, curious person I am, I'm like in the back of the room, raising my hand for every single presenter, just trying to get to know them. Uh, and at that point, I actually was fortunate enough to sit next to Richard Westaby, uh, from, uh, oh, I guess now Ivy fertility. Um, and, uh, he's like, listen, who, this is who you need to meet. This is who you need to talk to, you know, make sure you introduce yourself to these people and all that kind of stuff and introduce me to, uh, Eloise Drain eventually here, uh, Ashley Hammonds. Uh, and so he started to, to help me make the rounds and start to understand the, the industry. Cause 
you know, raising the money is one thing, giving it away is the, the next facet, right? Right. Um, so at that, at that conference, uh, one of the people that Richard insisted that I go meet is Adam Winder and Brock, um, who are the CFO and CEO of C-Trust. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I broke away when I saw him walk out the door in the middle of a panel. I was like, Hey guys, listen, this is what I'm doing. And they're like, Oh, that can I ask separately, what were you doing for work at that time? So in 2022, uh, I had just left, I was, I was formerly in-house counsel at a software company that had just IPO'd and had left in February of 2022 to pursue, uh, my own consulting practice. I was doing emerging technology consulting and AI and blockchain. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just normal stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I had my podcast, uh, right. which I so dearly loved. I just, I'm a podcast junkie. I listen to them in any part of my spare time that I can. And I was like, well, if I'm such a podcast junkie and I love learning so much, like why not just start my own? Right. Uh, one, one like side note about podcasting and I'll let, let people in on at least the biggest insight I had from it. Um, Yes, you can grow an audience. Yes, you possibly can grow to the point where you raise money advertising. Um, in my experience, very unlikely unless you're already famous and or stick to it for three, five, 10 years. Um, but what the unlock is for someone who's just willing to go through the work administratively uh, of getting really good guests and being a good conversationalist, it is the best networking tool you can possibly have. Um, people get an, a chance to come on the mic and share their thoughts and be public about it. And you get a chance to spend 30 minutes or an hour or longer with these people and you form a bond. You really yeah. do. Uh, I, was, I, I love like the number of people who are just like, yeah, of course. And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm fangirling, I'm fangirling, I'm fangirling. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's also it's just so funny like, to hear I'm people's so backstory. Yeah. 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 So it's, yeah, I mean, we, you went through it and like, I was getting, you know, referred to people that were, you know, C-suite at, you know, public uh, blockchain companies because the podcast was mostly around web three. Um, and it was just like, are they really going to say yes? <laughs> uh, and in fact they were. So I was, I was pursuing that. I've always been kind of on the, the disruption level, never satisfied with the status quo, looking for like, I guess some people would call us, uh, technocrats, um, uh, where I just think that, you know, technology can help solve a, a lot of problems if we apply it, uh, you know, obviously morally, uh, and effectively. Um, and so I was going through that journey. I had no intentions of joining the industry other than through the nonprofit, right? There's okay. not, there's not like, right. oh man, I found a company. I'm going to go pitch myself. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, I would say met, met Adam and Brock at that conference. Uh, and then we went through, um, the, you know, fundraising process. So we're planning this event. We're not sure how many people are going to show up. Uh, we know that we got to get to 250 to 300 tickets sold to, to break even. And then we're hoping that the, the money raised during the event would, would be enough to, to fund a surrogacy. Um, and uh, we were pleasantly surprised. We got uh, a lot of support from our community. Um, we ended up selling well over 300 tickets. We had quite a few sponsors. Um, but at the event, there was less than 10 people from the surrogacy industry. Wow. So we had, so we hadn't really established ourselves. We had our friends, right? Did we you had, invite them? Because I don't remember getting an invite. Well, um, I, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I got an invite to this Goose Ellen. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh. the, the other side is, is yes, that, right? Ellen, it's a, it's a really good point. We didn't know the people to invite. Um, so it's not necessarily a call out to the industry. It was just a call that we didn't, we, we were not networked in, right? Like one seeds conference helped us, but it didn't like solidify anything. Uh, the other dirty little secret about nonprofits is that in the moment people get pretty excited about them. It's the follow through that is not always consistent. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I try to, I try to build relationships with people, um, before I throw them is into Is there the another public. event coming up that I can yeah. get invited to? Yeah, I, you know, I guess. Jen, Jen, should we invite Ellen? I guess, oh. maybe. I don't know. I'm trying to move my I'll plans around. I, I had something scheduled for the weekend of it, and I'm like, oh, I'm trying to move things around for it. So we'll see. <laughs> Happy to send you the information afterwards. This, this year's event is February 10th. Um, it's going to take place here in Atlanta at a beautiful uh, 
venue called 42 West, the same venue that we worked with uh, last year. Um, and I'm very proud to say that about 80% of the people that have signed up so far are in the surrogacy industry. Awesome. Um, so it's a, a big flip-flop. Um, hmm. I uh, mean, both are good, right? It's, both you don't are, just want it, the insiders. You want the outsiders, too. They're interested. Right. And you got to find the people you resonate with. And that that throughout, from the, the day we started it, uh, to today, we still receive a lot of messages and introductions to people that just want someone who understand what they are about to go through or have been going through. Um, and they want to help, right? This is, this is one of those subjects, you know, infertility, surrogacy, cancer, that people don't necessarily talk about on a daily basis. But when they find people who can, who can empathize with them, they open up. Yeah. Um, which is, is a pretty magical experience. So I'm, I'm obviously pretty open with it. Um, yeah. And I, I'm open intentionally, right? I want people to know there is a, there's a place that they can go. There's a person they can talk to um, that, that will, will understand what they're going through. Um, because unfortunately there are just, you know, the infertility rates are just climbing like crazy. Um, yeah. So yeah. Okay. So you had your, your party, you got, you got your at least 300 people, right? Yeah. So we got our, we got our people, we got our sponsors. Um, we were using a, a software that was giving us live updates. Uh, we had a silent and live auction. So our, you know, amount raised was getting updated in real time. Oh, wow. Um, and we're on the stage. Uh, I was our auctioneer our first year. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was fun. Put on a pink jacket and a cowboy hat and made Very it happen. Nice. <laughs> um, and, and when I got done, uh, we updated the live auction numbers. Uh, and I went over to Alex. This was probably like right around 10 p.m. We're ending at 11 p.m. And I said, Alex, look, we just raised $150,000. Wow. Um, That's yeah. awesome. And we were standing there with Lynn and Shadina at the time, too. And I was like, guys, look, look. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm still, I still get a little choked up just, just thinking about that moment. Um, you guys can't see me, but um, yeah. I, yeah, I get a little bit of tears in my eyes. It's just, I don't, we, we didn't anticipate it happening. We were happy if we raised 20,000, 30,000, right? And we were going to keep pushing, but we were fortunate that. We were able to raise enough to cover the event and and offer offer the grant. Um, the party went off great. Everybody had a wonderful time, um, and then we we got to work. You know the next steps, right? We raised the money. How are we going to give this away? Yeah. Um, and so we started to reach out to a lot of the people that we connected with it at Seeds, uh, and that have been connected through those connections. And I was asking them, I'm like, listen, like we're about to screen this. Like we only get to do this once right? We need this to go well. Uh, we need this to be as, you know, game plan and be as like, highest likelihood of success as possible. Um, so we, um, after talking to those people, one of the, one of the people I was speaking with was Adam Winder. Uh, and about, you know, 28 minutes into a 30 minute conversation, he's like, so what do you do? Um, and I'm like, oh, I build better connections for thriving ecosystems using education, sales, and strategy. Here's how I've done it as a, as a entrepreneur and consultant. Here's how I've done it as an in-house attorney. And when I was doing enterprise sales for software, um, and he's like, so you're a technologist, you're an attorney, you've been in sales and you're an entrepreneur who's passionate about surrogacy and is raising money. Uh, to, to fund surrogacy, he goes, can I hire you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so listen, it wasn't, it wasn't that quick. We had many conversations. I always like to characterize it probably closer to like 20 hours of conversation time, uh, over the next few months, uh, and officially kind of, uh, came together on terms, uh, right around, uh, seeds in Orlando, which was around May, um, And I started as vice president of Seed Trust in June of this year, overseeing the legal team, which is our largest team, uh, and our partner success team, um, and having my hand in a lot of other things. For, for those of you that aren't familiar with Seed Trust, we have quite a few uh, in our family of companies. Um, so I'm definitely helping out and uh, advising from a technology standpoint uh, with the other companies as well. Awesome. And... To go back, what happened with your grant? 
Right. So um, what we ended up doing is uh, we created our application uh, in, in a software and we were like, okay, how are we going to review this in an ethical way? Um, and we had a, a really good friend who was an, an RE, a reproductive endocrinologist uh, here in Atlanta. We also had the reproductive endocrinologist that we worked with during our journey. And we we're like, okay, we need, a, we, need, we need at least a couple of these. Let's try and get one from all of the major clinics in Atlanta. We ended up with four um, on, our, on our review board. Um, and we made it very clear to them. And then eventually the uh, financial professionals that joined and the uh, Lynn Goldman, as I alluded to earlier, ended up joining our review committee as well. So she's been involved a lot uh, with gift of surrogacy. And then uh, Lauren Berman, psychologist based here in Atlanta. Um, joined us. We're like, all right, what do we want to, what, what's the one thing we want to emphasize with our review committee? We're going to spend, we're going to require as little time as possible, but also enough time to make sure that we thoroughly review these applications. Um, and we wanted to make sure it wasn't biased. Um, so the, the structure that we ended up on was we had a 90 day application window. It was open from the last day of April of this year through the last day of July. Um, and then once the application window was done, we started with a medical review and a uh, financial review. Now, originally, we did not have any financial professionals on our review committee. But bringing this full circle, after we had the initial meetings with the current review committee, we remembered uh, very, uh, very clearly how many variable costs are associated with this and the fact that we would not be covering those. And so mm. how were we as, as not financial professionals going to be able to look at these applicants and understand whether they could afford to take on those additional costs without leaving them worse off than when we found them. Right. Yeah. That, that was extremely important to us. Um, so we started, we recruited, I, you know, I had some financial professionals that I'd worked with at previous companies. One of those came on, uh, one of our, our family, uh, has a CFO at his company he introduced me to him. He was fantastic. And then I had another friend who introduced me to, a, a, a COO at a local nonprofit. So he had some nonprofit financial experience. Um, and we, we assembled that part of the committee. It's just something that, you know, it was, it was an example of us learning in real time. Right. Um, yeah. And making sure we did things the right way. So fast forward to the to the end of the uh, application period, we we what we did is we sent only the medical portions of the application to our RE review committee. And then we sent only the financial portions to our financial review committee, each of them individually, and then had them rate it from one to five. And then we met as a group and everybody shared their scores and their why. Okay. So we, again, we're trying to maintain objectivity um, throughout the entire process. Um, and so we went through that part of the process. Uh, and after those scores, we were able to make uh, eliminate a few of our candidates. Um, and which, were, by the way, every single person was an amazing candidate. But again, we, we only have one grant to give, at least at, at right. this time. And so then the next step in the process was a review of the personal story. Uh, that and the personal statement that they had provided as part of their application, explaining their medical diagnosis and their their story and how they came to surrogacy. Which, I mean, you, you guys probably hear this a lot more than I do, um, but it was a really hard. Um, I say every story is so 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 compelling and so difficult yeah, to hear. To yeah. Choose. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we. We did do that, um, and then we were. Then our next step was to say, "Okay, uh, we have all of these wonderful applicants. Um, which ones do we feel like would be the best fit?" And we're. And by the way, like we were very open about this. Like we were figuring this out in real time. What are the values that we want them to have? How do you understand how they'll set each other apart, other than medical and financial? And uh, family ended up being really core. Um, to how we were reviewing the application and making sure they had a good sense of family because we wanted the child to, to grow up in a loving environment. And we also wanted people to understand what surrogacy entails to an extent, right? Having done their research. Um, and so we, we did final interviews with our applicants uh, and um, we ended up with two finalists uh, and they're both amazing finalists. And uh, at the end, we, 
had a discussion. We asked them a few follow-up questions to kind of understand their, their family values and anything that wasn't necessarily plugged uh, inside of the application, just getting clarity around some medical and financial questions we had. And uh, in October, we selected our grant winners. Um, and just to make it interesting, we actually, we told them that we needed to ask them a few more questions uh, and put, pulled them in on the Zoom and um, had every single person that was able to make it um, from our advisory committee, from our review committee um, that had been involved in the process, join the Zoom. And we had my son with us. He was sitting in my lap. Uh, and then um, Alexandra kind of led the, led the call and was like, listen, we do have a few more questions. But the first question I have for you is, how does it feel to be the inaugural grant winner for Gift of Surrogacy? Oh, and we haven't, we, we shared the video with our email list. It was, I mean, it was the perfect perfect just situation reaction interaction um i don't know it's it's hard to capture in words without seeing it um just the way everybody was feeling and you know they're just such a, a beautiful couple and they're just so lucky to have them as, as our grant winners so they're currently uh working with uh surrogacy miracles uh here in atlanta uh, who has very graciously donated their services so that uh, our money can go further uh, and we can offer more grants to more people next year. Um, and um, they haven't been matched yet, but um, they're, they're currently, they, they've, they've opened up their escrow and, and uh, waiting to be matched with a surrogate. So um, just super excited to have that opportunity. Did you hook them up with a free escrow um, services? Yeah, I, I knew a guy, so I. Uh, I they, they aren't paying a fee. <laughs> no, that C Trust was nice enough to to donate the escrow services. That's great. Um, so, how can people help who want to support the cause? You know, one thing that that we have found to be very important uh, is that we want people to contribute how they feel comfortable. Um, I think for some people that is, you know, buying a ticket and coming to the party, having some fun. I think for some people that's donating services and for some people it's sponsorship just to be affiliated with an organization with our mission. Um, so, you know, right now we've got tickets on sale for our surrogacy soiree. Uh, we always lead with that. Um, you can find the, the tickets at surrogacysoiree.givesmart.com. Happy to leave a link in the show notes if you guys are okay with that. Yeah, of course. Uh, and um, I'd love for anybody and everybody to come join us in Atlanta for this um, because I think it's going to be pretty magical because this time we get to introduce our grant winners as well. So, oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's the main way to get involved. I think this year what we're going to have is, or this coming up year, we're going to start having quarterly education events as well. So if there are people that uh, are more teachers or educators in mind and want to be able to help reach, uh, help us reach a wider audience and help the audience educate themselves on the surrogacy process. We're always looking uh, for different people to, to come and speak. Um, and then eventually we'll roll out support groups. We haven't quite gotten to that yet. Amazing, amazing, amazing stuff. Well, thank you for sharing your background and your proposal story, you know, even more um, exciting <laughs> than some others sometimes, but, um, but we appreciate all that you do and all the efforts you are, you're making to help others and pay it forward. Oh, well, thank you so much for letting me share it. I think it's absolutely important that people who are going through this have someone or, or some, some organization that they can connect with, um, that, that understands what they're going through. Um, I love I love uh, what you guys are doing on the podcast, but also both of you as humans, as I've gotten to spend a little bit of time with you, um, just a, a lot of respect. I think um, I think that one thing that makes this industry unique is that all, if not all, if not overwhelming majority of people are very passionate about uh, making surrogacy more accessible. Um, and so we're starting to see a lot of development on that side of things as well. Thank you. 
Thank you to Zach French and the gift of surrogacy. I am very excited about the event coming up. Jen, I have a new idea about what you can wear. You oh, okay. Wear our merch. You know, um, <gasps> our podcast mm. has joggers. It has a, a long sleeve shirt. Yes, totally appropriate. A fanny our pack. Fancy you could party. do the fanny pack, maybe with a fancy dress. I, I think totally those are options appropriate you should consider. I do have stickers. I could bring them with me for any live attendees. Mm. So I could hand out. Um, I will yeah. say, and I don't. Again, we have to. We're hammering out details, but there is supposed to be a way for people to contribute who are not there. So any of our listeners, if you want to contribute, one, you can just go to the Gift of Surrogacy Foundation to contribute. Or yeah. two, I mean, I feel mighty do competitive about things. I want yeah. to be like, can you do it live and we can raise more money than they raise in person? Nice. Wouldn't that be exciting? Like um, but again, haven't hammered out all the details, but I, I, I feel really competitive about this. So <laughs> um, as always, thank you to everybody. If you do want to reach out and just give us comments. Our phone number is 303-997-1903. Oh, please feel free to rate us on iTunes. Go visit our Facebook group. Obviously, beyond our social media, that's a great way to keep in touch with people. And, of course, a thank you to our team, to Amanda, to Tyler, to Melissa. And thank you to all of you who come and listen. <laughs>